Okay, uh, welcome back to Firewall. As usual, I'm your host, Bradley Tusk. My guests today are Leslie Williams and Samantha Atwood, one of the more interesting duos that I think we've ever had on this podcast uh, for two reasons. One, you're a mother-daughter team. Two, you are running a campaign out of the goodness of your hearts to get wolves back on the endangered species list, which is, you know, I think just a really cool thing to do. So let's first start out, like, how did you guys decide to do this? Why, you know, why do you care so much about wolves? Leslie, why don't you kick it off? Um, why do I care? Um, I am actually a lifelong environmentalist. Okay. And I love, and one of the things I love is the Endangered Species Act. It's one of the most effective pieces of legislation ever created, actually. And it's a noble piece of legislation. So I like that. And the other thing is I love dogs. And if you love dogs, you should love wolves. And wolves have been, you know, victimized for, you know, hundreds of years. And now they're actually being, you know, killed right and left in, 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 in the Rocky Mountain um, region, which is why we started the campaign. And was there a moment where you guys kind of learned about this and said, we got to do something? Like, wh what was the triggering event? Samantha, do you remember yeah. what it was? Yeah, no, it was, it was uh, so shortly after wolves were delisted across the entire lower 48 states in 2020, in 2021, there was this horrible wolf hunt in Wisconsin. Um, I think it made the headlines, uh, it, basically 218 wolves were gunned down, killed with packs of dogs on ATVs. Just, are they just for sport? Why do people do this? They don't eat the wolves, do they? No, no, no. So just to kill for the sake of killing? Yeah. Yes. I don't get yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, so we can, we can talk a little bit more about that later, but the, the remarkable thing is it happened in under 60 hours. So all of those wolves, wow. 218 wolves. And actually there was not sort of uh, that much of a public outcry or anything from the administration after that. And we thought, uh, well, we, I speak for <laughs> mom, was like, okay, something else needs to happen here where we're actually making sure people know what's going on. And, and uh, uh, basically, I just decided one day that I needed to do this thing. And so I started make, making some phone calls and I was connected up with some other people and we ended up you know, basically bringing on Tusk. Yeah. And we decided... I should, I should mention that Tusk Strategies is running the campaign to get wolves back on the endangered species list, yeah. which is how I met Which is, which is yeah. very unusual. I mean, we're really happy that you did it um, because we decided we want to run a different type of campaign. Yeah. Something that was like a political campaign. Right. Really hard-hitting. And Tusk provided that and an incredibly motivated, interesting group of people, young people, which I love. Yeah. We, we, and, we have a weird penchant for doing animal campaigns. We, we try to shut oh, really? down the carriage horses in Central Park. Oh, that's right. We did Mercy for Animals for years. Um, so yeah, so we, we like this stuff. So oh, that's, it, it that's, worked out really well. Oh, when no, I heard about it, like, do you want to do this? I was like, yeah, yeah, we should do this. It sounds cool. Yeah, no, it's great. And then we, you know, we, we, we brought together a really diverse group of people, and they all have these disparate skills. And when it all comes together, it's, it's, it, it, we're unbeatable, I think. We have Peter Kariva. He used to be the chief scientist for the Nature Conservancy. Mm -hmm. We brought on Be Brendan Kennedy, who's our, you know, social media expert, and he comes from the fashion industry. So our thought was, why don't we do something that's actually just really different, hard-hitting, something that's outside of the conservation sphere? Because we really need to raise public, public awareness. And once the public knows what is happening to these animals, right. I think they will care. Yeah. I mean, look, it's like most campaigns to do whatever in society fail. And if you ran another conventional campaign 
you know, in the conservation world, you get the conventional outcome, right? And that's our whole thesis is, you know, politicians make decisions for very specific reasons. We understand what those reasons are. And we've got to sort of make the argument to appeal to those reasons or beat them over the head, whatever it might take to get them to the right place. So give us a little history. Why were wolves taken off the list in, in 2020? Leslie, like, what do you think happened? Over, over the past several decades, wolves have been on and off the endangered species list in the various places where they're listed and, and separately. But the bottom line is that wolves have become really a, a symbol of the environmental movement versus kind of states' rights. And they've fallen in the middle. Um, and they are literally paying the price with their lives of the uh, you know, politics at play at large. That's my take anyway. So if you're a kind of an anti-climate change type person in order to show uh, how much you believe in the cause, you would say we should take wolves off of the endangered species list. That's unfortunately yeah. a lot of what it has come if down you're, to. If you're, you know the way I would look at it? The way I look at it, this problem is like endemic in, U in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it comes down to a state's rights issue. The federal government versus a state government. Yeah. The states do not want the federal government involved in their business, yeah. even if they don't carry it out properly. Yeah. So they'd rather have no one do it, right, than have the federal government step in. The problem is, in this case, they're failing. You know, um, uh, the, the federal government took the, the wolves off the, the endangered species list so that they could be managed by the states. What do the states do? They pass legislation almost immediately based, uh, where they will kill off up to 90% of their wolf population. That's not management. That's extinction. Right. So and that's in Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming. Did we have like deer a massive overpopulation problem with wolves oh in the first place? No. 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 Right. So that's why. No. That's what, so and, I, and I'm, I'm just not getting the logic on yeah, that. No. I mean, that's one of the talking points of of uh, folks who are, are are pro wolf slaughter. Essentially, it's like, oh my God, the wolves are eating all the elk. You're going to be overrun by wolves. If you actually look in Montana. There are so many elk there. It's 175,000 elk, last population estimate, and they are targeting having 92,000 in the state. So it's almost double that. And it's such a problem that they opened a shoulder season for hunting, and they're saying, oh, my God, we're being overrun by elk. What do we do? But let's also kill 90% right. of our let's wolves. Let's have more wolves, yeah. That might be, that might be the way to <laughs> do illogical. it. It's illogical. So so you mentioned that you wanted to run a different kind of campaign so we we all together came up with with d-list wolves and what so far about the campaign have you guys enjoyed what parts you're like oh i don't want to have to deal with this thing like given that it's sort of an introduction to a different kind of politics than you're used to what's what's been your experience with it um what did I enjoy? I enjoyed the tactical part of it. Mm -hmm. I think um, uh, Tusk has been actually amazing in terms of, you know, they do the typical things of op-eds, uh, billboards, but we're doing sort of guerrilla marketing with wild postings yeah. in, in three cities. Um, we have a writing competition. We did potholes with Jim Batcher. Mm -hmm. um, we did car comics with Rewriting Extinction. I mean, we've done so many different things. It's really exciting. What's not so exciting sometimes is that it's not always easy to work to build a coalition. It's very, very hard, yes. and um, and it's not that it's not enjoyable. 
it's just very difficult, especially when a lot of these NGOs are competing with each other for, for funding. So they are also, even if they want to work and speak in one voice or they, they, they have the same mission, they also have a conflict in the sense that they're also competitors. I think one of the reasons we've been remarkably effective is because we're not fundraising. We are actually able to go out and say, okay, well, we are trying to amplify your voices. We build a pretty incredible coalition of partners, the Apex yeah. Protection Project, the Wolf Conservation Center here in New York. Um, uh, Wyoming Untrapped, all these smaller organizations that are, have been doing great work, but together when we speak in one voice, it's much more powerful and we're all working towards the same goal. And, and I think that's one of the reasons we've, we've been as effective as we yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think what we're trying to do, one of our goals is to empower these smaller organizations because they don't actually have the resources to be able to do all that we can do. And what we do is we provide them with assets on a weekly basis and teach them how to, you know, how to proceed after this campaign eventually winds down. So farmers and ranchers in, in the states that we're talking about, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, what, what did you, what's their typical position on this issue and what do you think, if you were them, it should be? Their, their typical position is if someone, like, if I think someone killed one of my calves, I'm going to shoot the hell out of it. And that's my first uh, response. And our position is that, one, less than 1% of, of, of cattle that dies unnaturally or whatever is predated by a wolf. Mm -hmm. it's, it's far less than 1%. So it's actually not a huge... It's not a real problem. Yeah, it, no, it, it's a problem for the one rancher that's having their cattle you know, killed by a wolf. But what we're saying is there are actually non-lethal methods of dealing with these issues, and that should be the first resort, right? Oh. Shooting the wolf should be the very, very last resort, and, and, right and it's the, the reverse. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, non-lethal methods, coexistence, whatever you want to call them, putting up fencing, getting livestock guardian dogs, um, even lights and, like, flags will keep predators away to some degree, and they're you know, they are proven methods that actually do work. And we believe there really should be a lot more funding and awareness of them instead of just extermination of the wolves. So what's the best answer? I know that we get accused of being kind of anti-hunter in, in general. Um, what's the best answer? The answer might be, look, I just don't believe in the hunting at all, and that's what it is. Or it might be like, you know, there's no people don't eat wolves, so there's no need to hunt wolves. Like, what do you guys think? Well, you know what? How about no trophy hunting? Why don't we just stop trophy hunting? Mm -hmm. right? I think there's a lot of What purpose hunters. does that serve but, yeah. to, but to just glorify the killing of an animal for no reason, no good reason? The hunter that goes out and gets one deer or one elk or whatever and actually consumes it, we're okay with that. My father was a hunter. He hunted pheasants. But I have to say that trophy hunting is, I think, a disgusting and atrocious kind of yeah, I mean, I, I don't think so. Like, I live in Manhattan, so I don't, I don't, I don't in, often encounter sort of trophy hunting things in my day to day life. But on the few times that I do, it's sort of like, all right, you had all the weapons and all the resources, big fucking deal that you were able to kill this animal. I'm not like impressed by you for doing that. Yeah, yeah. you How know what would fair? impress me right. is if the wolf had a gun, and and, and they were thumbs. firing and opposable thumbs and was able to. Yeah. Back. Or if you hit it with your bare it's hands. Disgusting. Yeah. yeah. No, I you know, and, and, and that really like literally they are they it is any method 
you can imagine to mm -hmm. kill wolves, snaring, trapping. So many dogs are caught in these traps too. There's a bunch of collateral damage. Literally, people can run wolves down with ATVs and packs of dogs until they're so exhausted they can't run anymore and then shoot them. How is that fair with night And they do anything. night vision, they kill pregnant females, yes. and they will actually do these cyanide bombs in, in, in their dens. What's the no. purpose? Do they think they're accomplishing something from a societal standpoint, or it's just fun? I think, I think it's a very emotional thing. Personally, I think a lot of it is is as we talked about, like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to be able to do this. I want to own the libs, you know, as as it is. Yeah, um, and I it's really really sad because it's about the wolves. Uh, it, it, it's completely unscientific what's happening. If you actually look at wolves, wolves create healthy ecosystems. And there's a lot of science behind that. And you know, you're seeing a lot of fervor and from a very small group of people, by the way. It's not like everyone in Montana is out, you know, in their spare time killing wolves. You listen into the Montana Fish and Wildlife hearings, 99% of people are there saying, please don't kill wolves. And yeah. then there's the 1% or the, the guy who proposed the legislation yeah. uh, being the only person to be like, oh, we have to kill all the wolves. But, you know, it's not a monolith there. Right. There are a lot of environmentalists who love their ecosystems and see wolves as a very healthy part of them. And right. they don't have a seat at the table. So when, when, the, uh, when, when the Department of Interior took wolves off the endangered species list, like, who do they talk to about this kind of stuff? And like, what are the things that you guys are doing with us to influence their, their, their thinking? You mean when, uh, when they when they first yeah when they first took it off like did they so they didn't talk to you said they don't environmentalists don't see the table so they kind of who do they consult just people who they already agree with their position yeah they just talk to each other yeah you know we're trying to figure out what's happening with the status review you know for the northern uh, wolves in the northern Rockies because when they passed that legislation they killed over a thousand wolves last year it was really dire so what happened was. A number of NGOs filed an emergency, what they call an emergency relisting petition, saying that this is so desperate that you need to stop the hunts, you need to conduct a status review, and 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 while you're conducting that, you know, you need to protect the wolves. So what did they do? They decided, wow, it is pretty dire what's happening here. So we're gonna conduct a status review, but one thing they didn't do, they didn't pause the hunts. So the hunts are continuing to this day, and the status review is three months late. It's a year and three months out. So, you know, trying to get information from the Department of Interior and U.S. Fish and Wildlife, it's like trying to climb the walls of Mordor. Right. You know what I mean? Well, it's no, like it's impossible. You guys are almost like, like a movie in the sense of, like, usually the people who are influencing federal rulemaking and legislation are big companies, big special interests, trade groups, and you're like two people and you're just saying like, we're going to try to do something about this. Um, has it been even harder than you thought? Easier? Like, it's very rare that people just decide, fuck this, I'm going to challenge the U.S. federal government on something. Okay, so yes, it's harder than we thought. Yeah. Because this was a Democratic administration, we had high hopes that it would be a three to six month campaign. Mm -hmm. A year and a half into it, here we are, yeah. right? And we're and it's been a lot harder than I thought. But you know what? I actually feel like it's like a putting a you know a mountain was built with grains of sand. We are one of those grains of sand. 
And what we're doing is trying to amass a coalition of people and the public to basically get involved in this. We can do this. It's possible. Do you think you guys could then repurpose the same coalition for other animals that you want to go on and go, go get back on the endangered species list? Absolutely. I think what we're really interested in doing, well, the reason why we started with the wolves is not just because I love the wolves. It's also because um, the wolves are sort of a canary in the coal mine, you know, for the Endangered Species Act. They have been trying to cut, you know, uh, undermine the Endangered Species Act for a long, long time. It's like death by a thousand paper cuts. And what they've done is they've used the wolves because the wolves are a great wedge issue. They're low-hanging fruit because they have been villainized for years, you know, for centuries, actually, in sto children's story tales and everything else. So what are they going to do? They're going to use the wolves. Once they get rid of the wolves, they're going to go after the grizzly bear. They're going to go after the big cats. They're going to go after a lot of animals. So I think it's really important that we make a stand. Everybody makes a stand right here, and it should be with the wolves. You know, the ancestor of man's best friend. And Team Wolf's going to do it. <laughs> so uh, it seems like you're picking up a pretty notable supporter in, in Martha Stewart. Um, well, tell me what, in, in terms of the work you're going to be doing with her, going on her show, everything else, how, how are you thinking about it? Uh, you know, we've been very fortunate to have a number of, of really high-profile collaborations. Yeah. We did a PSA with Jason Momoa. Yeah, that was amazing. That was, that fact, was so Hold cool. on, Annie, what's, if, 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 the, if the listeners want to just check that on YouTube, because it's really worth checking out, what's the best way to find it? They should go to our website, relistwolves.org. Okay, so go to relistwolves, and it'll link you to the Jason Momoa thing, it's, trust me, it's awesome, yeah. So awesome, and then, you know, I think Martha is really incredible. She loves her dogs, um, incredible animal rights advocate, and, you know, these are the kind of folks who really punch above their weight in terms of being able to share this issue with so many people who really don't know what's going on. It's been very hard to break through. That's why I've been trying so many different avenues, as, as mom, you know, mentioned before, to really talk to the public and, you know, being able to collaborate with the likes of Martha Stewart to get the message out there is pretty exceptional. Yeah, it's very cool. So, I mean, are you guys politically active and engaged in other stuff, or you're just like, hey, this thing to us is so offensive and wrong, we can't just sit by and let this happen? You should answer this one, Mom, because my, my day job is different. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm actually very politically active. Uh -huh. okay. You know, I... I... <laughs> I am very. Samantha's making all kinds of funny hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Actually, I did poll watching this time. Mm. You know, um, and that was really interesting. I loved it. I thought I'd hate it, mm -hmm. but it was actually very cooperative. The yeah. women were great. I, it was like a great experience. So yes, I do do a lot of politics. Well, because it's how things operate yeah. behind the scenes, right? If you're not part of the solution, then you're disenfranchising yourself essentially. So why wouldn't you be part of it? So, you guys live in sort of fairly coastal elite type environments, right? You, Samantha, you're in Seattle, Leslie, you're in Westchester. But now you've spent all this time with people in states like Montana and Idaho and Wyoming. What do people in New York or Seattle or California get wrong when they think, when they just sort of imagine what, what someone in Montana must be like? 
I mean, I think the key for the campaign is like we're we're not here trying to speak for the folks living there. We're trying to amplify voices. We're trying to help unify. I think a lot of what we do is we sit back, we listen, we learn, and we're trying to figure out how how are we effective. And and there are just so many wolf advocates on the ground who are working so so hard in yeah, these states that you know, admittedly we're, we're we aren't physically there, but you know the issue is a national one. That's why we're running a national campaign. Okay, so we're 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 working on this in terms of the next steps to get wolves relisted. What are they specifically? First of all, we need that status review. Okay. Right? We need the results of the status review. The status That's going to we'll, we'll, let's take just for the listener. The yeah. status review will tell us what. The status review will tell us whether or not they are going to relist the wolves on a temporary basis at, you know, the US as Fish soon as they yeah. US Fish and Wildlife right. Service. Okay. Once we stop, once that's, that, that is stopped, it gives us breathing room to work on other, like ways to change the paradigm. Instead of having animals like, like the wolf going on and off the endangered species list, like, like, like a yo-yo, what we should do is think about other ways in which we can really effectively manage these animals. The purpose of the endangered species list was not to have the animals on there permanently, but it was to have them you know, once they reach a certain point, to be able to leave, to, to be able to safely get off the the list. Right, not to become to be, endangered like, again. right again immediately. Yeah, right. which is yeah. exactly what's going on well, right now. And that was the assumption when they were delisted, um, at least one of the delistings was, this was Dan Ash, who was the former head of U.S. Fish and Wildlife, specifically said, he said, I... We made that decision thinking that the states were actually going to manage their wolf populations. And he said, and they haven't, and it's a crying shame. Management is not slaughter. So, so I would say, one, we want to relist. Mm -hmm. Secondly, we want to change the paradigm. And third, we want to really elevate the voices of our partners so that on an ongoing basis, they can continue to advocate for the wolves. And then the fourth thing is, we need to rebrand the wolf. They need to be rebranded. What, yeah. what, sh what would you like the wolf's kind of brand to be in a perfect world? But the, the perfect ecosystem guardian. They are that important for di biodiversity in this, in, this, in this country. They're keystone yeah, species. Yeah, they are keystone species. That's the way we should look at them. And we should never, ever forget that every single dog came from a wolf. I'm sorry, can you tell me what keystone species means? Yeah, so it basically is a species that holds... Um, the rest of the ecosystem together. And so wolves actually have a disproportionate impact, a good impact on the ecosystems in which they reside. So if you look at Yellowstone, for example, wolves are totally wiped out and they were reintroduced in the mid nineties. Since they were reintroduced, they actually caused the elk to run around more, not necessarily because they're eating all of them, but just to be on the move. What this did was that, um, you know, the vegetation, the small vegetation could grow back. Then all of a sudden these larger trees are growing back, the beavers were coming back. Because the beavers were creating dams, more fish came back, there was less erosion on the riverbeds. And actually, if you look at a picture of like pre-1990 versus today, and Yellowstone looks like a totally different place. It's, it's incredible. And wolves, exactly, are ecosystem guardians. They are creating all of these benefits to the ecosystem that, I mean, sure, you could quantify, but are not taken into account today. It's not just, oh, there's ranchers' livelihoods, obviously super important. They even bring $82 million of tourism dollars to Yellowstone every year. 
you know, and, and that's just not talked about. It's really, you know. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing is, I think because this is sort of like a um, state's rights issue, the federal versus state, when you look at the state, uh, when you look at the state of, say, Montana, the, the, the trappers and the hunters have an outsized um, uh, influence yeah. over the legislators and the Department of Natural Resources, which is, which is the state equivalent of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And here's the thing. This is the thing that people don't realize, is that the people in the Department of Natural Resources are reliant on licenses and tags to be able to pay their own salary. They are not. They are not so, paid out of right. general funds. They're incentivized funds. to, to yes. sell to for people to hunt because yes. it makes them money. Yes, exactly. So, are these are are these people really going to manage the wolves properly? No, they pass legislation that will kill ninety percent of the wolves. Great, terrible. So, most important question: How can the listeners help? Right? How do regular people who believe in what you're doing get involved? Okay, first head to realistwolves.org. Make your voice heard. Talk to your um, representatives because we have to let folks know we haven't forgotten about the status review. Every voice counts. Um, go to at Realist campaign on Instagram. Go and share. Talk to your friends. Talk about this issue. So that's to our regular listeners. And I would say if you are in politics, go talk to Deb Holland at the Department of Interior and tell her to Realist Wolves. All right. Cool. Leslie Williams, Smith Atwood, thanks for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you for having us.